on, guys. This is Gabe. Hey, Matt. And this is the Tentacle Bob Podcast, and uh, today we're going to be breaking down a pretty neat little album. Matt, what are we talking about today? Today we're actually talking about the 10th anniversary edition of Leveler by August Burns Red. Um, this record originally came out in 2011, hence the 10-year anniversary. Um, and let's just really dig into it. Gabe, what were your first impressions? Um this is Leveler, but it was cleaned up. Like they, they re-recorded this album from the ground up, and uh, they added new features for solos, added an instrumental track, featured Ryan Kirby with some extra vocals, and they just rehashed the ferocity that they brought in 2011. Um, Leveler is still my third favorite August Burns Red album. It falls behind Messengers and uh, Constellations for me, but the re-release absolutely made me find new love for this album. Okay. And Constellations was the one with Mariana's Trench, Correct, right? 2009. Okay. Yep. That's, I remember that. Yeah. Cause they did, they actually did a reissue of Constellations a couple of years ago. They did. Okay. So I wonder if this is going to be a recurring theme for the band. I don't think so because I don't know that anything else was received quite as well as Constellations and uh, like Thrill Seeker and all, all of like those older classics from August Burns Red. I think that this is going to be the last one that we see like that outside of just like a promotional re-release, but not like a full-blown re-recording of the album. Okay, and that would make sense. Um, at least for me, first impressions is I don't listen to this band nearly enough. <laughs> is I um, funny enough is actually one of my exes got me into was part of the reason I got into August Burns Red, um, and it was Constellations was the first full album I listened to by them. Um, and when they did the reissue, as I I got back into them for a little bit, and just listening to this again is it's exactly what I would expect by August Burns Red. It's, you know, sick riffs, heavies, Jakelers doing Jakelers things. Um, I just, again, realize how much I really should um, listen to August Burns Red. And it makes me miss my August Burns Bread shirt. <laughs> That's a classic shirt if I ever seen one. Yeah, I got into them, um, not when Messengers came out, but Messengers was the first album that I like. I got me hooked on them. Okay. And it just kind of was my search into Christian metalcore and stuff like that and just the needing to find heavier stuff within like the the, the christian circles and stuff right um so finding august burns red was a godsend kind of along the lines of like for today and mm -hmm. sleeping giant and those kind of guys so right. these guys have always been kind of just a mainstay in, in my my musical tastes that's right and then messengers is the one with the the candle with the fire right correct okay yeah. i do know a couple of the songs off of that one i can't remember the name offhand but there was one really big song out of yeah. it black sheep was my favorite one okay for sure like it, it was just so we're not talking about messengers today. Matt, why don't you go ahead and talk to me about lyrical impressions? Lyrical impression is the more I read the lyrics is the more I seem to find that there wasn't really a unified message with the, the record. Um, the only thing I could really find is it's just angry. Um, it's just an angry record. And I actually pulled up the lyrics um, and I actually still have them up for both leveler and poor millionaire. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just to read the first couple lines of Poor Millionaires, you stand up pridefully in front of thousands, screaming words of justice and truth. You wear a mask of this city's hero. You are the pretender. Um, and then it kind of comes into you're speaking shackles to life. Self-righteousness is your demise. You coward. Draw a line in the sand. So it's like, <laughs> wow, who who broke you, man? Yeah. So like lyrically, August Burns Red have always been solid songwriters mm -hmm. and fitting well within like the Christian medical writing acts. Their, their songs regard general struggles in life and in walks of faith. And it just never has been really bad that mm -hmm. I, that I've noticed. Um, they've always had just 
very powerful. Like they get their message across. Like there doesn't necessarily have to be a continuing theme. And we'll go a little bit deeper into the themes of each individual song here in a minute. But um, just overall, like they just have a tendency to talk about life and life instances and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then obviously being a Christian band, they relate a lot of those back to their faith and and so on as we see them discussing in interviews and such. Right. Um, but yeah, definitely they they go through some stuff. Yeah. No. And and then like looking at the the um, opening to Leveler is another instance where I was like, geez, like who hurt you? Yeah. Um, so just reading the fir- the opening part is you have become a malicious liar that breathes for attention, playing charades, wearing the head of a lamb. My days consumed by nights of you howling at the moon as if you were wounded, but no, you're the one showing teeth ready to feast on new more beginnings as you cry wolf howling at the moon but no you're showing teeth we know you're ready to feast on newborn beginning as newborn beginnings as you cry wolf and it's like as you look through it is you know it's it's the boy who cried wolf and just kind of you know you're you play innocent but really you're just a, a monster mm-hmm. and it's it's beautiful but who hurt you my dude who <laughs> hurt you my dude well, uh, moving into the uh, the musical impressions, um, where were you kind of at with those? This is exactly what I'd expect from, you know, as I said a little bit earlier, is, I mean, just with the, the heavy riffs, and really, really good riffs. Um, again, Jake Lur is doing Jake Lur's things. Um, he really shows off a lot of his vocal abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I'm not a big fan of that he does is his high screams, but even the way he does those, it's like they're acceptable. So most of those are actually done by the rhythm guitarist uh, Dustin. Really? Yes. Yeah, and actually um, they do that in like in a calling back and forth song uh, specifically in... Uh, so in Carpe Diem, they are, they're both uh, the vocal deliveries. They're doing... It's Jake Lurz and Dustin going back and forth, uh, calling back and forth to each other. That's actually kind of cool. Yeah. Um, my yeah. my statement does stand, and it's not so much like I, I. It's like don't get me wrong, the sound is not bad. It's just it's not. I'm. It's it doesn't appeal to me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it's this is just really good. Um, and I like how it's kind of a callback to old metalcore, but there's the little bit of that warp tour metalcore sprinkled into mm-hmm. it. And I, I think that's what August burns red does really well for sure. Like, so obviously they're just phenomenal, phenomenal metalcore powerhouses. Matt Griner is a God on drums. Jake's voice is iconic. JB and Dustin's guitar riffs are just synonymous with the metalcore standard and flip flops. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So like uh, helping, it just helps to really really stand out with the addition of the other things. So like, obviously we have all these things that make August Burns Red such a great band, Mm -hmm. but then we also see Matt Hafey from Trivium coming in on guitar for internal canon. Misha Mansour is coming in on Pangea. Ryan Kirby is doing a feature on poor millionaire. And honestly, my only issue with this is the fact that I wish they had done more of these because this is a re-release. People are still wanting new music. Yeah. I wish that they had done more features and incorporated more into them. Yeah, no, and I, I can definitely agree with that. It did it did feel really sparse with the features. And again, especially with it being a re-release mm-hmm. is, um, and I don't know who they would have brought in is, you know, um, I know that... At, um, Jake Lures is kind of ha- has a relationship with Tim Lambesis from As I Lay Dying. Mm-hmm. So maybe seeing Tim Lambesis be featured. Um, like Ryan Kirby, um, there's the the relationship between the, uh, Jake Lures and Fit for a King. So we're having Ryan Kirby come in. Um, and just some other of the really big metalcore giants. Um, I, one actual feature I would not have minded is, and I know you're not a big Bless the Fall fan, but do you remember back in 2013 the song that Bless the Fall did with Jake Lures? No. 
Um, <laughs> it was carry on off of Hollow Bodies. Is it would actually b- would have been cool is bring Jared Worth on a song, um, mm-hmm. and just a very different dynamic vocally. I think would be kind of a fun little thing. Well, yeah, and it's kind of like we saw this with um, when the Acacia Strain did Slow Decay. Like they brought mm-hmm. in a bunch of features for that album, even though it wasn't a re-release. And they're they're bringing features of bands that do something a little bit different than what they do. Right. So I feel like this would have been a good time to bring in. Uh, I, I know we're probably beating this horse to death, but bring in Courtney O'Plant or bring in somebody like uh, Vince from the Acacia Strain, like oh. these <laughs> bands that are slightly different, but yeah. like they still fit within the, a similar genre and they can bring something unique. And, and, and so I, I just, I feel like I would have liked to have seen more of that, mm-hmm. but I'm still happy with these. And I feel like this is much better than just re-releasing the album Untouched. Courtney LaPlante 2024, or, or can we put, can we push that? <laughs> I mean, we could. It's not going to win because that's not how that works. And also, she's not old enough for presidency, but sure. Fair. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So before we uh, start breaking down the track by tracks, uh, we do have the artwork. So um, I, I wanted to go over both artworks on this one. Uh, the original shows the house destroyed by something like a natural disaster, um, done by the artist Jordan Crane. Um, this art- artwork absolutely covers the leveled nature that they wanted to bring, kind of just brought a unique element to the Metalcore album covers with the cartoony kind of style yeah. that it was. Um, how did you feel about this one? I thought that was actually kind of neat, and especially having it with the uh, almost pastel color scheme mm-hmm. is a lot of album covers, as you see, it's there's, there's supposed to be like a level of realism, and they're just supposed to be dark. And then August Burns Red comes in, and we're like, we're going to have – bright colored record fronts and it, it's a, a complete uh shift from what we typically see um and it's it's a pretty straightforward it's you know leveler it, we the the house got leveled like it was a circle pit at a at a show mm-hmm. absolutely and then we see this juxtaposed with the um 10th anniversary edition so it features new artwork but it's a similar concept um so there's uh, a leveled house and it's just kind of like this wasteland of destroyed things we see a piano stop signs uh, things that have just been broken down um, i wasn't able to find the artist i th- i think what i found was m- possibly correct and that the um, art and design was done by ryan clark um who does a, a bunch of art for the scene he's also the front man for demon hunter so i'm, I'm a huge ryan clark fan oh that's awesome if demon hunter does another album soon and uh, we'll obviously be covering that because <laughs> I love me some Demon Hunter. <laughs> Did you notice that the um, over kind of on the left side is the bathroom got separated? Like you can liter- literally see the <laughs> toilet. I, I saw that and I kind of chuckled to myself. Um, so that may be incorrect that it was done by Ryan Clark. I don't mm-hmm. know for sure. If somebody does know, um, please let us know. You can comment on uh, tentaclebop.podbean.com. Uh, or excuse me, podbean.tentaclebop.com. And uh, let us know on the uh, on this podcast. Um but the rendition still shows a wasteland of something demolished and it's an updated yet still illustrated design that reflects the evolution of the band in the past 10 years. Right. Um, Did you have anything else to add on that? I like how it kind of gave it, um, it almost was like a scrapyard look, um, just because of how much, uh, just other debris was kind of found around it. But it also looked like everything really involved was a part of a house. I mean, again, the bathroom that was separated, you have an upside down car. There was the piano, um, there was the bird sitting on top mm-hmm. of the piano. So again, just kind of um, just everything within the house. And again, just a, a different dynamic, but it also brings a, a little bit more realism as opposed to the original, but it still has enough of that cartoony element that Absolutely. was originally there. Um, and then I'll just really quick do a, a shout out for the band lineup before we jump into that track yeah. by track. Um, we do have Jake Lurs on lead vocals, JB Brubaker on lead guitar and the flip flops. 
um, Brent Rambler on rhythm guitar, Matt Griner on drums, and then Dustin Davidson on bass. Um, and I guess I should clarify the joke for those who may not know with the flip-flops. If you actually see August Burns Red play live, is JB is playing guitar in skinny jeans, a t-shirt, and legitimately wears flip-flops on stage. Um, so for those of you who may not know, that's that's why I've made the joke now. <laughs> Uh, also, just to clarify, I realized I made the mistake calling um, Dustin the rhythm guitarist. He does also help track guitars on the album. Um, but yeah, he has the basis, so I realized I made that mistake. <laughs> oh, no, you're good, dude. <laughs> All right, so then uh, jumping into the track by track, first off, the album opens up with X or the Roman numeral 10. Matt, where you at on this one? I like the, um, you know, when we've seen this trope before in a few different records that we've reviewed here on the podcast, it's a short instrument, instrumental track. And what it does is it does a really good job of setting the tone, or at least to an extent, of what we're going to see um, in regards to instrumentals on the record. Um, you're, you hear you hear the riffs, you hear some of the soloing that there um, there is, but there's no, nothing from Jake on this. Um, and it honestly slides right into the next song perfectly, but I definitely see this being a, an opener for songs or Absolutely. for their live sets. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, I mean, they're going to be touring here in the fall with uh, fit for a King and era. This is absolutely going to be what they start opening up with because it's, I need to go to that show. Oh, same. <laughs> it, it, it's going to be the 10 year anniversary for leveler um, tour that they're doing. So they're absolutely going to open up with this song. It's the only new music that's actually on the album outside of like the features and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's an appropriate addition to the album for the 10 year anniversary. Like it's, it's like I said, it's going to be guaranteed to be the opener. Yeah. And I feel like it's just kind of, it, it, it shows them and kind of just what to expect from this album right. where it's, Hey, this is what we're going to be leading into. This is obviously going to be a copy of what we've done in the past, but we're still going to be incorporating elements of who we are now. Mm -hmm. Um, and then from there, it leads pretty cleanly into empire with the same melodic and, uh, and musical, uh, elements into it. And um, this song is a banger. Angry. <laughs> I, I honestly, I almost made my notes just say angry and just leave it. But I was like, no, I'm actually going to put some other stuff. I like how this is just very balls to the wall right out the gate. Um, it reminds me a lot of that like zero to hundred real quick um, mm. that we saw with Escape by the Devil or Prada. Um, I mean, it just comes in screaming. Um, and then there it's, there is at about the two minute mark is we see it, uh, not so much a tempo change, but, um, is it's not as heavy and it just kind of, you know, it allows the song a chance to breathe a little bit. Um, and I do really, I did really like the solo that was in that mm -hmm. little, that slower part. Yeah. The, the, the song is about creating with our hands, what we have in our hearts. And I feel like it's a great indication of what's to come. Like mm -hmm. the, the song opens up, it comes in hot and delivers exactly what, August Friends Red fans come to expect. Great riffs, Matt Griner doing Matt Griner things, Jiggler's yeah. just screaming his head off. Like, th th this song is the perfect expectation setter for what's to come on this album. Yes. While still being an easy song to come back to later on. Yep. And then that actually leads right into Internal Canon, which is where we do see the first feature, which is Matt Heafy from Trivium. Um, and this one, I feel like, is another... It's kind of, in a way, a continuation of Empire and how just right in your face it is. Mm -hmm. And it, it pretty much just comes straight out the gate. Yeah, so the, the song was al already my favorite on the album when they released Leveler in 2011. Mm -hmm. um, it's still going to be my favorite on this one. And okay. I mean, that's that's a pretty easy because I'm a huge Trivium fan, as you know. And I don't, I don't know that I've actually said it on the podcast, but Trivium is my favorite band of all time. Um, and my only 
issue with this is that I, I really wish that we could have heard Hafey featured on vocals as well, um, just because his his voice is so iconic um, in, in the way that he screams. And I, I just feel like that would have been able to deliver even further. Like, obviously, his solo is his solo, mm-hmm. and it's very indicative of what he does in Trivium and just who he is as a guitarist in general. Yeah. But I would have just loved to have heard him him doing some screams on the, I'm on the album. pretty sure I thought I did hear him on the on the record, though. Is It was right after the solo. I think he actually came in on vocals, unless, unless I had heard the, the, There was, like, one little point where it was just kind of like a yeah. Okay. And that, that was the only th- part that I heard that I'm like, hey, that might not be Jake. Okay. But if that's it, then not good enough. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can completely understand that, at least from what I heard. And, you know, I could be wrong. And um, But one of the things is I've definitely come to really like Matt's voice. Um, I am bummed, unfortunately, just because of the amount of damage that's been done to his vocal cords, um, is his range, at least in regards to screaming, isn't very wide. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what the nice thing is he's able to make use of that and do really well with it. Um, I do like the little the slower section included. Um, and funny enough, my roommate who was listening who was in the car with me as I was listening to this, he was like is this band Flamingo Core? <laughs> so I sat there and I started laughing. Um, and again, it's just another angry, heavy track to just get the, the record moving. Yeah, the, the parts where it slows down, like it doesn't feel out of place. No, like absolutely it, it drops not. And just does these weird, funky things. And it's super cool, but you almost feel like it doesn't fit until you're just listening to it further and further and further. And you're just like, this really does fit. Yeah. And <laughs> honestly, I ended up kind of sitting there and thinking is like, I, I kind of wonder if the guitarists are classically trained because it feel, felt a little bit like a, a classical guitar mm-hmm. um, and, and just the the enunciations of how they were playing and everything. I was like, this is fun. I like this. Mm-hmm. I like this a lot. Absolutely, it was. Uh, then it goes into uh, Divisions. Matt, how are you feeling on this one? Blast Beats! <laughs> I love Blast Beats, and this came in... Um, and it, I like how the song is fast, but it never gets obnoxiously fast. Like we've seen with, um, really a lot of what that Darko record was. We reviewed mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. Um, and oh, Jake, when he hits those just super <laughs> lows, um, yep. that was fantastic. I have that noted here as well. It's like, he just gets some of those brutal lows in the song that we don't hear a ton from him. So it's mm-hmm. just a nice taste of what he's vocally capable of. Yeah. Capable of. Um, yeah, th- this song is just super heavy. It's like one of the heaviest on the record. And yep. It's about pain and burden and guilt and shame and feeling like you've wronged somebody. Mm-hmm. So like it absolutely fits the the just actual like meaning of the song as well. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like this song as well, and it's a great uh, song that comes out after Internal Canon. Yeah, and the thing I will, like I love how heavy it is. It's just not a super catchy song, so it does kind of go down towards my weaker um, mm-hmm. songs on it. Um, but one thing I definitely notice is August Burns Red really isn't a a band that goes for catchy. Um, and a part, prov- part of it probably comes to not having any clean vocals, but I also don't think that Jake Lures is in the chorus is like, hey, I'm going to try and make like a really fun sing-along melody. It's like you're going to feel like you're getting punched in the face and we're just going to kind of go with yeah, it. Yeah, I'm getting my point across. Whether you feel that's catchy or not, that's not my problem. Bingo. Yeah. No, I, I can agree with that. Following that one up is Cutting the Ties. And can we just take a second to admire the absolute gem of an opening riff that was? Oh, it's so good. It's 
probably my favorite riff on the entire like, record. This song, like it, it goes kind of in a similar route of internal canon, where it's just kind of alternating between the the heavy and the lighter parts, mm-hmm. which is fine. Like it never felt out of place again, uh, but then they bring it back in just that slower breakdown and it just feels reminiscent of like from something from like a doom album or like the acacia strains grave bloom it just feels this super heaviness over the entire ending of that song do you wanna uh do you have time to talk about our lord and savior blast beats <laughs> <laughs> i love the blast beats in this one too what? no way you love blast beats i i am a big i am a big blast feet blast beat fit blast feet wow. i mean he does blast <laughs> his feet because matt griner is inhuman in almost every way possible it, it, yeah absolutely um and I, yeah i do uh definitely like that slow down section and we see you know in that section is we see all the guitars without distortion and then the the yelling screaming and like kind of the spoken bit that Jake Lures does um i want to say that might be at least in this song my favorite bit mm-hmm. um and it's just because everything gets pulled down and then Jake kind of comes in and you start to hear everything's starting to co- slowly come back so it doesn't feel like we've lost the entire band but it's everybody's there even even just a little bit so i was mm-hmm. i was definitely a big fan of that part of the song for sure uh, then we go into the song pangea which is going to be featuring misa misha bulb mansur who's uh, the guitarist and periphery um i love mansur's feature on this song i that guitar solo was absolutely mind-bending yeah, um, so like re- realistically periphia is just misha mansoor featuring the the rest of the band because <laughs> like, i like that <laughs> i challenge you to name what that band would be if it weren't for misha like it would just it, be, it's pretty much the misha mansoor project it, it, exactly yeah. like it and and that's just the way that it always is it, and i'm okay with that i mean he's um, he's a phenomenal guitarist I, I i feel like even like the band hearing that i feel like they wouldn't even be offended just because of how talented of a guitarist he is mm-hmm. absolutely and so like it's it just it brings such a different dynamic uh, mm-hmm. to the song and it's 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 good just on its own but the feature takes it to the next level similar to like how internal canon does and yeah. um it it this song is also just a, a, a reminder that i'll never be matt griner and it makes me sad Oof. I'll never be as good of a drummer as he is. Can we get an F in the <laughs> chat? <laughs> no. And JB, um, the guitarist, said in an interview, and I'm not sure with who, I wasn't able to, f- excuse me, find a source. Um, but he stated that this song was o- has always been one of his favorites, um, and that this is the most progressive one on the record. So it made it a natural fit for Misha to be oh, on absolutely. it. Um, and so, and it's especially hearing it and just how everything f- blended so well. Um, is this instrumentally has to be my favorite um, uh, for everything. I wouldn't say it's my absolute favorite song of the record, but instrumentals only is this is definitely it. Um, Next up, we do have Carpe Diem, and I really like that this song has a bass solo. Mm-hmm. I that was a very nice touch. Like we had the you know we have the guitar solos all throughout, but mixing in a bass solo is kind of a nice, refreshing little thing. Absolutely, it is. I I, I really like this song. Um, th- this is where I, I mentioned earlier that we see the uh, back and forth vocal delivery between Jake mm-hmm. and, and uh, the bassist Dustin to simulate a conversation about dreams giving up and chasing them. Um, it's definitely got a more somber feel to it, and it's felt throughout the song. And like it's the slow song on the record, all mm-hmm. things considered. Um, but I honestly, personally, for me, I want to hear more Dustin because I yeah. think his shrieks are just 
awesome. Yeah, no, I, I can agree with that. Honestly, I wasn't a big fan of this song. Um, I really like, again, the bass solo and then the short guitar section right after. Um, is Those were really the, the best parts of the song. Um, unfortunately, it's just I lost interest in the song really quickly as I kind of felt myself kind of like spacing out and like I'd rather, you know, as this song was playing as I found myself doing other things in the middle of trying to listen to the song and trying to evaluate. And it's just... It, it didn't really grab my attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, then from there, we lead into the song 40 Nights. The speed and anger in this song are real. Yeah. No, this, <laughs> it, it, after the last couple songs, that felt a little bit more experimental. Um, is This is really a return to that classic August Burns Red sound, and I'm all, I'm all for it. Yeah, the, the blistering fast beats combined with Jake's piercing vocals just created delivery it's easily felt mm-hmm. um the song thematically is about overcoming adver- adversaries ending with the the lyrics goliath we are coming for you which is just an absolute battle cry if i ever yeah. heard, heard one um the guitar work on this song is actually a lot less technical as far as august burns red is cons- concerned right um but it's just an absolute nice break from the mad riffage and just is a more straightforward song. And the ending breakdown is ruthless and I'll stop mid conversation to thrash through it anytime. (laughs) (laughs) No, I honestly, as I was listening to not just the guitar work, but the guitar solo as I was really getting like power metal vibes is just kind of how that, that big energy and that kind of high energy that you typically see in other power metal bands. Um, and then it's not a terribly catchy track, but I mean, it's got solos, it's got heavies, it's got sick riffs and it's, that's enough for me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, then from there, the album leads into the song salt and light. Is that how the tattoo shop got its name? Uh, it's not how they got its name. It's, from the same thing that they got their name from. That's funny. So there, there's a, a local tattoo shop uh, here in uh, in Arizona called Salt and Light Tattoo, and basically what it's uh, pulling its reference from is the um, the Bible. Uh, I, I forget which verse it is, but it's a, a biblical phrase meaning salt of the light and or salt of the world and light of the earth. Oh, okay. Um, wh- which is exactly what this song is about. The song's in reference to rapture and Christ's final return, and a lot of the song is taking lyrical liberty from biblical representations of the end times and Jesus' final return. Okay. Um. It's differentiated from the rest of the album by the spoken word bit at the end. Yeah. Kind of just akin to being as an ocean or some sleeping giant songs. And then he kind of brings in these like scream sings kind of uh, similar to like what Architects does mm-hmm. uh, and Sam Carter. And so I thought that was kind of interesting and neat. It, yeah. It's definitely a, a odd song on the record in comparison with the rest of them. But I like it. Yeah, I, I definitely found this one. Um, you know, a lot of notes that I had that applied to the prior song do apply here. Um, I might have to say that this solo on this song, I might actually prefer over the prior song. Um, and again, we do have the slower section, so it get the song gets that chance to breathe. Um, and then Jake providing his vocals on the kind of back half of that slower section, mm-hmm. I think was nice because there are some bands that will sometimes take the entire uh, that that would take that entire slower section and put the vocals over. But I think by Jake coming in after letting the the instrumentals kind of do their thing and then him come in, I feel like was a nice way to do it. And I think that was probably the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. So well done there. Absolutely. So next up, we do have Poor Millionaire, which is the final feature we do see on the record, and it is Ryan Kirby of Fit for a King. Um, 
Ryan Kirby does not look like he creates the sounds. <laughs> like, and you and I talked about this before. Like, you look at him and. Ryan Kirby, I apologize if you're listening to this. Like, you're not a terribly attractive man, and I can't, I can't say I've got it all myself. But like, Facts. you, you just, <laughs> <laughs> you do not look like you should be making the demonic sounds you do. So I met Ryan Kirby once when I was in Tucson. I walked into the the venue and uh, I just ran into him on accident. And so I, I'm a tall person. I'm six foot four. He's maybe pushing five six. <laughs> yeah, I he's met him once, guy. and I can't remember. I can't remember, but yeah, no, he's he's not a big guy, but yeah, but what he lacks for in size, God, his voice is amazing. Oh. It, it's just unreal, and, and and his feature at the end of the song brought the heavy and dissonance. I didn't know I was missing from this song because I love yeah. this song too. This is one of like the just classic August Burns Red songs. This is my favorite. Yeah, this is my second favorite on the album That's for fair. sure. Which, yeah, it, it's just. So good. Yeah. Lyrically, it's addressing the use of use of Christ for religion rather than a relationship and the abuses abusiveness of that mm-hmm. nature, and the heaviness that Ryan Kirby is able to bring just helps drive that point home and just lets this song loose. Yeah. And I, one of the things I really like, and this is part part of the reason I really like this is. Where we typically see Jake Lures in a kind of mid-tone with his screaming a lot of the time, and we he, we see him si- somewhat fluctuate. He did not. I don't think he touched his mids, uh, except for maybe about ten seconds as long. Everything was just the low and high range, um, and the, the highs, as you had corrected me earlier, maybe Dustin. Um, I'm not a hundred percent. I think on this one it was um, Jake Lures, okay. just because of the tonal differences yeah. between the two. Um, so it, so he's sitting there in just this high and low register, and really nothing in the middle. Um, and then the instrumentals, they do not slack, and mm-hmm. it's just. You know, it's it's all in your face, and it you know again tells that story, and it's just a very angry song. And then Ryan Kirby coming in at the end, doing disgusting Ryan Kirby things. And honestly, I have to say, this it takes it very very cleanly as my favorite song, mm-hmm. and it, it probably I'd say a pretty decent margin. Absolutely, and and just to uh, just going back into Ryan Kirby again for a minute because I really can't praise his vocals enough i've seen fit for a king roughly 11 times now mm-hmm. and so many <laughs> yeah it, and it's not, honestly not even intentional it was just they ended up touring so much that they were on half the bills of shows that i wanted to go to and it's a lot like me with born of osiris because i've seen them like <laughs> five times and it was like they just happened to be there absolutely and, and and ryan kirby never sounds bad like vocally he manages to deliver what he does on the albums live. And that's not something that can be said for a lot of vocalists. Right. And so that's just kind of attesting to how amazing of a vocalist that he really mm-hmm. is and kind of where they came from because they started really kind of coming into their own, like around 2011, which is when I discovered them originally. And, okay. Uh, and, and like they, they, I think formed it as a band in like 2009. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So like they're still new in terms of the metal core scene. Like mm-hmm. a lot of these bands like August Burns Red's been going since like the early 2000s. Like, I want to yeah. say like 2002 or 2003 is when Thrill Seeker came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so f- for doing what he does, I feel like they're properly represented in the scene now and yeah. they really only have up to go. I think re- they really blew up, I think, with. Um Dark Skies is the album that they really just blew up with. Yeah, and I think the one... Or, sorry, uh, not Death Dark Skies, Grip. Slave to Nothing. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, like, Death Grip, I think, was where we really started to kind of see that see that push. And then I think Dark Skies was really where everything just went, whoop, 
And Correct. They, they, I mean, there's the popularity just shot up like crazy for sure. But yeah, no, I can agree with yeah. um, Dark Skies being really their breakout. Yeah. Anyway, back into uh, August Burns Red, the, the you know the <laughs> band that this podcast yeah. is actually about. <laughs> uh, we then lead into the instrumental track 116, 2011. Um, so this is just a small instrumental to break up the album. I want to say it was like 53 seconds or something along that those lines. That sounds about right. Um, the date the from the title is referencing the uh, death of some young men in their hometown, which just really had an effect on the town. And the instrumental leads into Boys of Fall, which is a tribute to those four men. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you have anything that you really wanted to notate? Not here? really. Um, it was you know just a, a short little thing, and just how nicely it fed in, and just um. You know, kind of really how soothing it was was um, is really about the notes I have for mm-hmm. um, the um, one sixteen twenty eleven, and then Boys of Fall. This one is gnarly, and especially <laughs> and especially coming off of something as peaceful as the prior song, I was not ready. I was absolutely not ready. I it it was almost like. Oh yeah, this is like it, it's a imagine laying on a real soft pillow, and you kind of get cozy, and all of a sudden somebody just takes you, just hits you with a brick. <laughs> is about what this song was. Yeah, like this song just hits otherworldly levels of heavy for August Burns Red, mm-hmm. and we see Jake bringing in his lows again here, and it just decimates the track. Like yeah. I love it so much. The l- song lyrically outlines grief and trying to understand it in the face of a relationship with God. And um, why he does what he does, and addressing the pain and mourning that coincide with it. Yeah. And I feel like it's a the perfect way to properly tribute to the way that the town felt with the passing of those four young men. Yeah. Because it, it was a smaller hometown, so like obviously everybody is going to feel that in some capacity yeah. or another. So I feel like th- this this is an appropriate tribute for that. And re-releasing it, you can definitely hear the emotions still in there. Here we are, ten what would have been recorded ten years later. Yeah, and it, and you know, and the that being being that good of a tribute is is something that's a, a testimony to the ability for August Burns to write to write. Um, but the other thing that's nice is. Not only do you hear the the grief in the in the not only the town but the band themselves, uh, but you also hear in some of the lyrics is that there's, in a way, like there is some hope for us. Like you know, we'll be able to push forward. We will be able to move forward. You know, even though there has been this tragedy, but there is, you know, there is some hope. And it's kind of you know, there, he's also bringing that um, the perspective of you know, this hope through the, the relationship that he has with God and like being able to go through that. And, um, you know, again, finding that hope and the ability to move forward and to just find that peace really. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And the last song leveler, the title track (laughs) in boy, Oh boy, this is a closer. So the, the interview that Jake did with rock edition back in 2011, honestly sums up this song super well i'll go ahead and read it here so it's quote we have another song about someone putting someone through hell lying to them and betraying them i know how many i know many people with this similar story as people it's really hard for us to forgive someone for all the horrible things they've done to us especially when they're close to us such as a family or a friend Mm -hmm. that song is lyrically pretty brutal but at the end it just speaks about forgiveness to truly love someone is to forgive that person and honestly, this, this song is such a great closer to the album. It sends it off so well, letting the listener be eager to just return to the beginning and listen again. Yeah. Th- th- this song slaps. Dude, the fact that j- what really grabbed my attention, so the breakdown slaps. And yeah. I'm like, oh. Certified, certified slappable. Certified <laughs> slappable. 
Um, but when he hit those gutturals, I I immediately made this stank face. I'm like, this is disgusting, yep. and I could not get enough. Like, it, honestly, after hearing him do that, is it made me sad we didn't hear that more in the record. Like, we heard him do the low growls. I'm like, this is awesome. I need more gutturals. <laughs> like, don't don't give me darko gutturals because I need you know I need audible like lyrics. You need them to be intelligible and understood. Yes, you need, you need enunciation. I do need enunciation. <laughs> but dude, give give me the gutturals in those parts where like you just really want to kick it into kick it into six gear. Just oh yes, I was I was absolutely a fan of that. Um. It, what about um, you know? What were you thinking of the vocals? Oh, I loved it. I, I I've always loved Jake's vocal delivery. He's dumb. Good. Yeah, it's just. I mean, he's had twenty some odd years almost now. To, yeah, to really perfect it, and I, I feel like he's there. Yeah, no, I I have to agree. I don't think he's peaked, but at the same time, like, I don't know how he can go up from here. But yeah. I'm sure that he'll find a way. Just, I, I'm just the same sure. way that Matt Griner does because that man is. So good at drums. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can't disagree. Uh, well, that is it for the track-by-track track breakdown of August Burns Red's Leveler 10th Anniversary Edition. And right now we like to do a rating out of one, from one to eight tentacles on how we thought about the record. What's your rating? So I think I'm going to be giving this one a seven. Okay. Um, just because the, the so the the original I probably would have given a six, because of this being a rehash of it. Mm-hmm. Um, naturally, you would want to give it a six, but at the same time, they were still able to bring something new to the listener. They brought a new instrumental track. They in, in, introduced new uh, features into the songs that did change them up, uh, sonically speaking. And then we also just see, even though that it is a retrack, like they rebuilt this album from the ground up yeah and so th- this this is the leveler that i would have loved to have gotten back then when they were just poor suburban kids yeah and they weren't the metalcore just godsends that they are today like obviously back then they were so popular but now like they're more of an icon or a legend like they're they're kind of the the almost the forefathers of the current exactly. metalcore they're, they're metalcore scene exactly they're, they're synonymous with the um just the idea of metalcore in general and right just to to be what they were and how they've grown like i feel like they were able to in- introduce all of those things into a past record and i feel like that alone is able to earn it an additional tentacle for it okay so i i'm, I'm gonna go with a seven out of eight here i'm gonna go with a six um and unfortunately you know i i don't have enough of a august burns red listening under my belt uh but based on this is it something that because of the the heaviness the ferocity and just everything this record brings is i will absolutely be coming back for more mm-hmm. um and i i absolutely enjoyed it and because nobody likes a fence sitter i almost pushed it up to a six and a half but i was like you know what we're gonna go with a full number i can't quite personally justify putting it up to a seven um because that puts it just shy of the zombie ep uh, by the devourist prada and i'm like this is good it's not quite that tier um and it may end up being a situation where the more i listen to august burns red is i'm going to find things that are going to push it to that seven it's just right now it's at six out of eight tentacles for me all right fair enough 
But that is going to do it for the 10th anniversary edition of Leveler by August Burns Red. And uh, now we're going to go ahead and move into the hidden track, which is uh, where Matt and I talk about something uh, that we uh, we found in the music world that isn't necessarily related to the uh, the band that we're talking about. So, Matt, what do you got for this week? So today I'm actually going to be talking about the new uh, song that was released by Memphis Mayfire. Um, and there was a music video premiered on uh, June 23rd, 2021. Um, and unfortunately, we didn't get a actual album announcement, but this feels like a return to the Challenger era of mm-hmm. Memphis Mayfire. We're definitely seeing a return to the the heavier side that they um, that really they haven't had since Challenger. Um, they've sprinkled it in, uh, but nowhere near to that level. Um, I hate the guitar tone, but <laughs> this is a really good song. I kind of can't stop listening to it yeah i actually really enjoyed it as well um it's like you said it's a return to the challenger era or Mm -hmm. even the um the unconditional era Mm -hmm. like that scene of memphis mayfire where it was solid i mean maddie mullins is still kind of just a a trash dude uh, for a variety of reasons conversation for another time Uh, yeah pretty much (laughs) Yeah, I, I really don't want to get into how I personally feel about Maddie Mullins, but the band as a whole, separating the art from the artist here, it, it's not a bad song. Like you said, I, I really don't like the guitar tone either. It has kind of just more of this buzz saw kind of sound to yeah. it. Yeah. Almost like they ran a, a, a Boss DS1 into a high-gain Line 6 amp, and you know how I feel about that. <laughs> it's Memphis Mayfire trying to uh, do the zombie EP. <laughs> um, but no, the the one thing that I really thought was kind of interesting is especially looking at the chorus, and if you listen to how it's pre- um, that how he kind of enunciates, is um, if I'm trying, I think it's the lyrics, if I remember, is if, uh, if you're trying to be honest, is instead of going, if I'm trying to be honest and like dragging it out, is he kind of honest and he kind of cuts it off. And I was expecting him to hold the note a little bit. And I think by him kind of cutting some of the words off and not letting him drag um, kind of shows that he's able to separate, you know, he's kind of able to not do just what is expected. Um, So it was a nice little touch and just kind of like, I don't know, you know, it's like why I don't, I'm not sure why you did it, but I I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's just little things like that is that I kind of caught on, and I was definitely a, a fan of it. Absolutely. Um, this week I am going to briefly touch on the new Red Fang album, Arrows. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that was going to elicit that kind of response. So, so- so, uh, the the reason I, I laugh that much is um, our, our plan to, you know, when we were looking at records to listen to is we we're like, OK, we're going to do August Burns Red and then we'll do Red Fang. And I oh, get you know, a message. You, know, here, you, you just stop. Okay, this is my this is my time. <laughs> <laughs> so as he, as I was saying, um, we were looking at uh, albums to review. And, <laughs> and um yeah, so th- this one was originally going to be one that was going to be uh, our next review um, for, for next week. And I got three tracks in, and I had to stop because the mixing on this album felt like they recorded it on an iPhone and then just released it. 
And so, like, I'm going to try and go back and re-listen to the album just to see if I can make it through. But it, it just, it, it was such a departure from, like, their original albums. Like, the original uh, uh, self-titled Murder the Mountains, Whales, and Leeches. Like, I loved all those albums, and I felt like it did really good for Stoner Rock. Mm-hmm. As really Red Fang is just kind of in the forefront of. And this album, I just, and, and it could have been just those first songs. And like I said, I'm going to try and go back and listen to it again. But I just... The mixing quality felt subpar for a third grader mixing it. Wow, that's it, about the, my react. You know how you how you went into that is about my first listen to the Escape the Fate record. So <laughs> I, I I know your pain, man. But at least that was mixed correctly. This is this is true. And like this, it's kind of akin to like DIY black metal bands. Like, yeah, it's un- unintelligible. You can't understand what's going on. You can't appreciate the music because all you hear is cymbals bleeding through everybody's mics because somebody doesn't know how to face the mics away from the cymbals. Mm-hmm. And, and so, like, it, it's kind of in that same realm there where it's just everything's muddled. There's things peaking in the wrong uh, frequencies. And it just it never really got I, I physically had to force myself to sit through the first two songs. Jeez. And that's never a position I want to be in starting out on an album. So oh, no, absolutely the, not. The next eight songs or however many songs are on the album could be amazing. Mm-hmm. But for me to have to force myself to sit through those ones, I'm just going to turn it off right there. Yeah. So I'm going to try. I'm, I'm probably going to bring this back up again next week after I force myself to give it another listen. Um, but, yeah, that's where I'm at with it right now. <laughs> that's rough. I like I almost want to listen to it just to be like, OK, like I understand what you're referencing, but it sounds like a pretty much like don't you don't want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And like I appreciate a lot of Stoner Rock. I feel like they honestly have a lot, a lot of really cool riffs mm-hmm. and it's a really underappreciated subgenre of hard rock and metal that people really don't mess around with. So like Ursa, Major, um, Red Fang, Baroness, all of those guys are just so cool. And for them to release something like this, it was really a letdown. Yeah, that's that sounds like there's a bad time. Yeah, it, it really was. But with that being said, um, we are coming to the end of the show here. So if you guys would uh, be so kind as to like, rate, and comment with us on iTunes, on Spotify, on Podbean, and on Google Podcasts, and really anywhere that you get your podcasts, we would really appreciate it. It does help us out and make us more popular so we can get ad sponsors and maybe make some money at doing this because we actually really enjoy doing this and we would love to quit our jobs to do this instead. 100%, (laughs) man. Um, But with that being said... So next week, we're going to be uh, discussing the new Rise Against album, Nowhere Generation. And uh, we got some hot takes for you guys with that. Uh, But with that, we're going to come to a close here. We will see you later. Catch you in the next one.